This is Pill Eater. I'm here with Cartrell Payne. Uh, today is May the 8th, 2022, and I am here with Sal E.F. Nice to talk to you, Sal. How you doing? So, Sal, how would you introduce yourself? Ooh, I'm a person that has done many things in life that never kind of let things hold them back. So I'm like a writer, a musician, an artist, a martial artist. I've uh, done many things since I was young and still doing them. So I kind of just, ah, people say to me, hey, you're kind of like the people we read about. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sounds good to me. So that's how I would describe myself. I mean, other people would say, okay, he's the guitar player for Electric Frankenstein and or he's a kung fu guy that everybody knows that wrote a lot of articles and books about kung fu history. I, I ran an art, I curated art shows in New York for 10 years. So I did those Fistful of Rock compilations that are all over the world. I mean, there's a lot of things. I wrote like a dozen books. So, <laughs> I got to talk about yourself without bra- sounding like you're bragging, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what made you, I mean, what made you start the band Electric Frankenstein? Like, how did the band start? Well, at the time, things were kind of sleepy. That was like 1990. And we're like, uh, me and, and my brother and uh, Jim Foster were like, um, man, I, I don't like this boring like you know green day rancid that's just not us that's for kids and if kids like that they're missing the real thing so i go oh let's we should turn things around we should do a a punk influenced rock band and do some rock punk instead of punk rock and uh we knew that in california there was already something they were calling punk rock and roll since the late 80s but it wasn't well known so some of those bands influenced us a lot. And then uh, we decided to go a step further. So then we did it. I mean, it got popular immediately. First show, first show was already packed just from the word of mouth about it in New York City, which at the time it was hard to get popular in New York City. Well, it still is. <laughs> so, so why do we do it? Because things sucked and we wanted to make rock and roll come back alive and so it, it it spread all over the world at that point when we, we called it what we did like high energy rock and then all those bands in scandinavia got into it and all over europe and it became this huge big thing in england so it was the right moment you know the right doing the right being at the right place at the right time doing the right thing and uh that was pretty much like a spontaneous bang. <laughs> yeah. Also, I wanted to ask, like, you know, I know you did Exit Magazine with Adam Parfrey and, you know, Nick Zed, who unfortunately both of them have passed away in the last couple of years. So what was that like? Well, George Petros is the publisher. He's the main guy. Um, those guys were friends of his and with a whole bunch of other people like, uh, you know, that guy Fetus from that band Fetus and uh, J.G. Thurwell and uh, the Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. I mean, there was a lot of famous people that contributed, but I was the editor for the last few issues. And it was always George. It was pretty much George's vision and his idea what the article should be like and things like that. If he liked something too much that I wrote or did, he would steal it. <laughs> he would put his name on. I'm like, hey, you fuck, I wrote that. <laughs> so I got to talk to Adam Parfrey right before he died. And uh, I remember one of the last questions when he, he used to be on Facebook. I, I remember asking him, why did you name the compilation uh, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Culture? And was it supposed to be a subculture? And 
I screen capped and he said it was supposed to be apocalyptic culture, but uh, I guess the publisher said apocalypse culture because it sounds better on the tongue. But uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. That was uh, a few years ago when he passed away. Yeah, well, it seems to be a lot of people passing away that we didn't expect in the last five years. It's, um, I guess everybody's getting old. <laughs> the older you get, the more people you know die, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I know that you're a fisherman. Well, amateur fisherman, Sal. What do you think about the regulations when it comes to like fishing in North Car- Northern Car- Carolina? Well, I'm not a fisherman that catches fish to eat or for trophy. I catch them to put them in my fish tanks. So um, I have like a couple dozen big giant fish tanks and each one is set up to look like a different river or lake in a different country. So I'm into that whole art of that, less like a Zen kind of thing where you're taking the plants and the rocks and the branches and the wood and the sand color and making it mimic uh, a geographic area around the world. That's pretty much what I do. So well, you know, everybody's trying to regulate everything right now. There's a bigger problem is that somehow the idiots in Congress got um, the wrong word from overzealous uh, anti-pet people, and they want to wipe out the whole pet industry. Um, I mean, they already made it so you can't buy a dog or a cat in a pet shop. So um, they want to get rid of, uh, you know, everything, birds, fish everything they want people not to have those kind of pets so they're they're working on they already passed in the house of representatives now they're trying to get the senate to pass on it but everybody's freaking out because the state of florida depends on ornamental fish i mean during covid that was the only way that state made any tax money um because so many people started fish tanks since they were home for two years and uh that whole market is a whole bunch of mom and pop shops and i don't know why they would kill off uh you know a huge segment of the economy and yeah you know they're like busybodies you know i mean well the problem is the people on the far left are just as bad as the people on the far right they're all control freaks who who want to control what you do and they don't want you to do what they don't like and they decide something and then they use force to get people enforces the law you know to get people to do what they want and why do they want not want people to have aquarium fish okay like in south america and other countries like thailand and a whole bunch of indonesian countries they depend on the fish trade they raise the fish themselves they breed them themselves they raise them themselves so all those uh, native americans in those countries depend on that most of the fish die in the in the billions every year so because you know they they get born they get hatched in this when the rain season happens and then they live and then they lay eggs and then they die again so it's in the billions that those fish exist so it's not like a conservation thing they should be worrying about the forest being destroyed by mcdonald's and everybody else and the mineral people Instead of worrying about what little people do, they're not going after the big people, are they? So something fishy is going on, probably because they want to go in and destroy all those rivers and lakes and do and mine them. And they want to push out all the people who are raising ornamental fish. That's probably what the real story is. And then they're using these people to as making believe that they're concerned about who knows what the freedom of a of an of a goldfish you know the freedom of a neon tetra from brazil which are all tank raised anyway so that's the story yeah i mean and you know those type of fish they last longer in captivity i mean otherwise they just get eaten by a shark right well, there's there's uh, freshwater sh- uh, sharks in that area. There's a lot more big giant fish that'll eat all the little ones. So, yeah, but it's you know, 
it's it's crazy because those fish all die every year anyway. Over yeah. here, when they bring them here, people start raising them and they start breeding them and then they start selling them. Then they don't have to go after those over down there. People have been keeping fish since the 1700s. Have you ever made like films about this or any doc? I've messed with the camera recently and just film what you're doing every day. Oh, films about designing aquariums. Um, you should do that. Sounds cool. Yeah, I want to because I'm moving and I'm going to have to move. Uh, I'm going to have to set up the tanks all over again. And I could probably film them step by step showing how to put the dirt in and how to put the gravel and the sand and then the rocks and the plants and how to make it look like different areas of the world. Yeah, I could do it step by step. I mean, I mean, there's other people already doing it. And all of them are living off of it on YouTube. They make so much money that they don't have to work. Yeah. I mean, today you can make a uh, YouTube or video channel about uh, trying to make hamsters exist in an aquarium with oxygen. And that's considered entire, I mean, gag. Because Mr. Metacore told me about it. I choose Hamter, I think was the YouTube channel, but... It's only it's only a gag for a bit, and then it's kind of fades out like a tabloid thing. But that's pretty yeah. much everybody has a living on eccentric hobbies on YouTube nowadays. <laughs> Underwater scuba diver gerbils. <laughs> or I choose Hamter about this guy trying to basically uh, put hamsters in an aquarium with oxygen so they can exist, just because I guess that's his free time. Wow. People don't go after him for cruelty towns. <laughs> yeah, you know, do you think people are becoming more humorless? Like, I don't know if you knew about, know, heard about that guy trying to jump to the stage, like Dave Chappelle's thing. Oh, yeah. Everybody's a big baby. Everybody's angry. That's the problem. And that's what they, since Trump, the whole point was to make everybody hate each other and fight. And I think those people are all Russian agents, like Trump and everybody. And I think they were here to... They're put in place to get everybody to be divided, you know, because that's the whole divide and conquer thing. They're really afraid of everybody uh, uniting together. But, you know, you have a lot of really ignorant, stupid people. They're never going to. And they're oh, and they're super angry and they're blaming everybody else. Here's the joke. I meet a lot of really poor people, white poor people. Okay. Most of them have been on drugs since high school. Right. They're the ones that chose not to do good in school. A lot of them have learning disabilities. That's the big problem. A lot of men have learning disabilities. And so but it's their choices they made all along the way to just fool around instead of asking for help. They just fool around. They just fool around with their friends. They drop out. Then they work at horrible jobs. And by the time they're 40, they're really sick. So they're already on disability. And. Whose fault is it? Everybody else's fault. I don't understand. They all look at, want to be multimillionaires, so then they're really angry. And that's the whole scam. That's all they do is show everything from the rich people's viewpoint. You know, the economy, when they measure the economy, it's measured how good the rich are doing because when companies start hiring, the rich people start selling off the stock. So Main Street, like, you know, is, is not supported by Wall Street. Wall Street does not support Main Street at all. I mean, that's true. You know, yeah. and you know, let me just say this. I think people who, you know, like uh, idolize people like Elon Musk and stuff, like I think I they're kind of desperate. Like, it's like, you know, you're never going to be that guy. You know, right. it's like most people... But all of these rich guys like him and Bill Gates and you name it, they all were given money by their family or other rich people to start with. None of, none of them were self-made men. There's a few, there's a lot of rich people, but they don't go around bragging, you know? And they've also gone out of business two or three times and they got themselves back on their feet. And so but they don't talk about them because they're, they're middle class people who made a, a, a good life for themselves, you know? So 
the, like this guy, whatever. I always called him Elton Musk. Um, who cares? He has nothing important to say. It's always stupid. It always sounds like some pothead saying something ridiculous. And all, all he does is surround himself with really smart people that do all the work for him. And uh, he has a huge turnover rate because he demands that they work 60 hours a week because he says he does. Well, all he does is surf the internet all day. He has time to make tweets and all kinds of stupid. Now he bought the company. I mean, come on. If you're really working, you don't have time to do stupid things like that. You know? I mean, like, yeah. It's like if you got time to tweet, like, then you're not really working. No. And he does that for hours, like Trump used to do, three o'clock in the morning. So these people are just phonies. So, okay. So he has a company. That Tesla car is stupid. You know why it's stupid? Instead of spending his money and research money on making a better means, if you want to do an electric car, well, the lithium battery that it uses, the rare earth metals that it uses, they come from China. Now we're all dependent on China. Then the other thing was stupid about electric car. It causes more pollution to make an electric car than it does a regular car. Just to make the battery, you're destroying huge acres of the environment. They have to bulldoze thousands of acres to find these rare earth metals. So they're going to run out. And what happens when it runs out? Oh, and they also want you to buy a new, a new electric car every two or three years. That's a joke, right? So it's retarded. It's, 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 it's an invention that was way too early. And they pushed it because... They made it look like it was a cool thing to have instead of a necessity. And there's so many other kinds. Why don't they developing hydrogen fuel? That would be like 29 cents a gallon if just to give it a price because it's basically just water. But it works. And there's a lot of other things that work better. And uh, lots of people invented other kinds of engines that don't run on. Uh, there aren't piston engines that don't run on gasoline. But no, that's not... You know, so now we have these electric cars that are just going to cause trouble. You know, many times people have come to my house when I lived in New Jersey and say, uh, I ran out of electricity. Can I plug into your outdoor outlet? I'm like, and then who's going to pay the bill on that? Me? I'm like, yeah, it seems to me like a Fred Flintstone car would be more effective. Uh, and here's what's dumb about it, too. Depending if it's too hot, you lose mileage. If it's too cold, you lose mileage. You don't know how far you can drive because it's not by the gallon. So it's like by the gauge and the gauge is moving depending on how hot or cold it is, depending on, so you can't even, and then where do you plug in if you're 50 miles away from home and then all of a sudden it runs out, where? So instead of building the infrastructure for it and taking care of it like that, they didn't do anything. So everybody's gonna have these useless cars on their hands in about five years so that's just now they're going to make electric vans and electric trucks i'm like yeah we'll see how long that lasts no it's ridiculous nobody thinks about reality everybody thinks about well here's the thing that separates an intelligent person that's mindful from uh, a regular person an intelligent person is a realist, right? It's not an optimist, not a pessimist. And optimism kills. How so many doctors have killed their patients by the optimism saying, oh, you're fine. You're perfectly fine. Then the patient's dead in two weeks. Um, the smart person looks at the implications of everything and looks at the long run. The idiot person, which is the average majority, looks at how much fun they can have right now. And they don't even think of the consequences or the implications or what are they going to do? Like, like all these crazy people buying up houses and they're, they want to win. They want to win. So everybody's overbidding on houses now. So houses are selling 200000 more on average than they're worth. Great. How are they going to pay for it? It's, it's going to be another, another real estate collapse because all these chumps bid on all these houses and now they're overpaying on houses that are aren't worth it and eventually people will be like i'm not investors are buying it but not regular people 
Yeah, you know? it, yeah, it sounds just like that uh, comic book thing in the 90s where people thought, you know, if they bought like a whole bunch of old comics, they were going to somehow be a millionaire. Oh, yeah, sure. If you're if you know how to do it at the right time, the right place. But when everybody sells them at the same time because they're retiring, the the value, it's like how stupid the price of uh, corn or soy is. If you have a good crop and there's a high yield, the price goes down and then you actually lose money. If you have a bad season, the price goes up and you actually make money if you're a farmer. It's ludicrous. That's why it's subsidized because they can't really make money farming. And the United States has to pay all this money to soy and corn. And so what do they do? They got to find another reason to use it. So corn, oh yeah, so that's ethanol, right? So that's another bullshit thing because ethanol burns really fast. And so you're getting a lot less mileage for it, but it burns clean. So that's a scam because you're getting a lot less mileage. And then, okay, what do you do with all the soy? You got to make believe that soy is good for you when it's a total lie. Soy is really bad for people because it has pseudoestrogens in it. And it could cause cancer. It does all kinds of stuff. It makes men's testicles shrink and uh, gives them breasts and all kinds of things that it's really animal feed. So why are they promoting it like a health product when it isn't true? You know, okay, in Asia, they use soy, but that's because they were poor. They were dirt poor people at the time, village people, and they did what they had to do, you know? I mean, look at Szechuan, they eat these uh, 12 inch grasshoppers and praying mantis and all kinds of bugs that they roast, which used to be poor people food. And then when poor people become rich, they think of it's a delicacy, right? Because it reminds them of their childhood. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, these people are nuts. <laughs> yeah, you know, like with um, Americans, like, you know, like it used to be like people would like eat fast food, and, you know, but they wouldn't overdo it. You know, one time, but now people are gone crazy with it. Like I heard this one lady, she ordered like a triple decker cheeseburger and then ordered a Diet Coke with it. And I'm like, <laughs> like the Diet Coke is supposed to offset all that other stuff. Did you ever see a skinny person that drinks Diet Coke? No, I've only seen overweight people drink Diet Coke because Diet Coke makes you gain weight. It, 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 it makes you feel unsatisfied. So you're keeping on drinking it. And all the additives that are in it are affecting you. And the, the corn syrup and all the junk screws up your whole body. So diet soda is just another waste. And it has aspartame. When I was in college, right, between 78 and 82, the professor said, oh, they'll never pass this. Um, all the rats died when they fed it to them to see if it's poisonous. And then Donald Rumsfeld was friends with the company that invested in it. And he's the one that pushed Congress into uh, and the FDA into going ahead and letting it pass when it was something that killed all the rats. So all these people are drinking a poisonous substance that and it's also a phenylalanine, which is basically a sedative. Right. And so if you take um, medicine for mental illness, it actually interferes with with it and it blocks your medicine. And uh, phenylalanines are, are now in uh, every single piece of gum. Right. Every single gum that used to be labeled as diet. So diet gum is now just gum. And if you read the ingredients, it contains aspartame, contains phenylalanine. So you're like, oh, great something that turns into wood alcohol in your blood. And also it turns into a chemical that kills fetuses. It turns into two different chemicals. One is wood alcohol. And I forgot what the other one is that it comes to, but they're both poisonous as poisonous byproducts that are in your pee after you drink diet soda. It's completely nuts. Everything is just so ass backwards. It's like uh, we're in the bizarro world from uh, Superman. <laughs> Yeah, as a martial artist, what do you think about like fake gurus, you know, like people you see on YouTube, like there's this one guy called Detroit Urban Threat Management or whatever. And, you know, like he gave like this terrible advice. He's he was like, um, you know, like if there's like a hostage situation, you know, here's what you do. And I'm like, dude, 
what you should do is call the police. It's like, why are you trying to be a hero? You're going to get people killed uh, with this advice. Right. Well, yeah, that's the trouble. Everybody has a microphone. So every banana head that used to be in their parents' basement all day um, is now out there, right, with the microphone. So eventually they get their ass beat by somebody real and then they disappear, you know, because a real martial artist doesn't go around talking about it. I mean, I, I've learned it for so long and I've researched it and studied it in order to be able to write about it. And I deeply looked at it. And what I, when I use it, when I, you know, t- touring with my band, you've had to use it. It worked great and quickly, efficiently, effectively. That's all that mattered is that it's over fast in seconds. You don't need to, you don't want, it's not MMA. MMA is gladiator training. You're training to be a gladiator and you fight like a gladiator, but real martial arts is not fighting. Real martial arts is self-defense. It's a whole different concept. Right? Fighting is me versus you. And the only one that could win is the luckiest person. Even look at boxing, that's fighting. It doesn't matter who has the most experience, who has who's stronger. The luckiest person always is the one that wins. A lucky shot, right? How did Tyson lose his first match? He got too sure of himself, and the other guy had a lucky shot. Oh, by the way, a week after he lost that first fight, I was uh, early in the morning, like six in the morning, driving past Benson's. Uh, it's a club, you know, it's all black people. And um, he was outside, and all these people were trying to hold him back. And uh, he, he flung five guys off his back, flung them. And then he went up to the bus that was in front of my car because we had a red light. And he punched it so hard you could see his hand indent. And then he went to my car and he tapped it with his pinky and the window collapsed into the car. And everybody in the car screamed, go through the red light, go through the red light before he punches into the car. We're like, oh, okay. So I did that. And I was like, that was when he was living in New Jersey with, uh, what's her name? Givens, her last name was. And uh, I was like, wow, I should file a police report and get money out of it but i didn't bother i figured he had enough problems in life <laughs> yeah he's a strong dude of course i mean his whole life that's all he's done i mean he grew up terrible and so once he met that coach guy in the gym you know all that rage he had his whole life that's he just channels it into into that but i don't know i started questioning that if this fights are fake you know, the one fight, he was like, if everybody bet he was going to win and he, his interviews were a little too fake for me. He was like, oh, that guy punched like a mule. Since when does he say stuff like that? And he made it look like, uh, I don't know. I didn't believe it. I think he lost on purpose just to make a lot of money. Yeah, but, you know, he's become a better person, you know, like. Well, now he's a much better person. Yeah, you know, he uh, psychedelic therapy really helped him. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he, you know, you don't get anywhere in life if you're carrying your anger with you forever. So if you can just find a way to get rid of it, it doesn't stop you from being a good boxer or anything. And now uh, he's too old to box anyway. A lot of the punk rocker types hold up PTSD and it's often expressed in their art. And they often go through power trips on their own uh, PTSD and lash out on other people, especially if they have access to the internet. Some of that older Gen X generation is, I think, almost yes. out of touch with millennials who get experience with that. That's true. I mean, and a lot of it doesn't make sense because there are uh, doing the opposite of the opposite to be opposite of everybody else so like that would be like wearing christmas sweaters all the time and being saying that's punk rock <laughs> right no you're just an idiot who thinks it's cool because you're making believe you're uncool is cool right so it gets into all that kind of stuff and then now there's like to be uncool they're agreeing with the far right I mean, didn't the whole punk thing get rid of all the 
I mean, even oh, the yeah, that reminds me, like, like you had like this one like loser, Gavin McGinnis. He said like conservatism is the new punk rock, and I'm like, yeah, he wants what? to declare that, but it's bullshit. How can you be conservative and punk? The real conservatives would. I mean, I was talking to this person, and I said, "You're an artist. You're a musician. You look like one, right? You paint and draw. You're exactly the kind of people that the far right say are losers and waste of time." Even if you're making money with your art, they think you're a waste of time because you don't do things with your hands. You know, you're, you're not needed in society because society doesn't need artists and writers, according to them. Right. They need road builders and steel welders. So that's the proletariat. That's like. Like it's, it's such a mixed up mess. It's like fascism and communism mixed together into one thing. Well, you know, hey socialism and wasn't fashion wasn't nazism national socialism i mean they all the only difference was who owned property under communism the state owns all property including corporations in there was no corporations under communism in socialism and in, in fascism i mean the state owns everything except the corporations and the corporations support the state right that's how hitler had it and uh that's why they hate each other, because the corporations want to keep their property. They don't want the government to own it. So none of them works anyway, right? When did, did communism ever appear except under a peasant society to bring it from feudalism to today? Right? It never was like Marx said. It was like totally different than Marx thought it would be. So he thought the cities were going to rise up and change and it didn't happen it was the peasants and that's because the peasants were desperate and they had nothing you know and what does the peasant do peasant doesn't give a shit about art and music right peasant has to work all day long 12 hours a day digging and planting and doing stuff well one question leads to 500 others (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like, you you know, like the Tony Soprano types don't really care about arts. No, but well, you're going, that's a different thing. You talk about sociopathic criminals. Um, one of the psychopaths, one of the things about psychopaths is they have sentimentality. I mean, I, I'm a board certified psychologist, so I know about all this stuff. I've seen a lot of clients. A psychopath has sentimentality. They have fake emotions, like they don't really feel emotions, but they fake them. But they're always sentimental. They'll cry over a dog getting hurt, but they'll stab somebody to death just because they stepped on their foot by accident. You understand? It's, everything's out of proportion. So a sociopath is different than a psychopath. A sociopath is a person who drags down himself and others, like his whole family. He ruins his life and everybody around him. So that's usually an alcoholic or a drug addict. And sometimes people like, I don't know, is Tony Soprano a sociopath or a psychopath? <laughs> Probably a psychopath. Uh, you know, Sal, um, yes. what's your influences? Because, you know, your music, it kind of reminds me of what Steve Borders was doing with the what was it? The Dead Boys was his band in the 80s? Yeah, well, he grew up when I grew up. So when we were in high school, it was first Alice Cooper, you know, Aerosmith and the New York Dolls and things like that. MC5, the Stooges, right? Kiss. And then the Ramones came, the Damned and the Sex Pistols. And so that meeting of that together right? Because we listened to both. I mean, back then, it wasn't how it became later in the 80s where people were like, you know, metal versus punk and then metal mixed with punk and then it was punk, you know. It was when in the 70s, it was disco or rock, <laughs> right? So, um, and even that mixed together at some point. So, uh, yeah, my influences are exactly that. The 70s hard rock, and well, I'll tell you what, why it's called Electric Frankenstein was for two reasons. One, 
uh, there was a club in the 60s in Italy, which I went there every year since I was a little kid because we, my family's from there and we had a house there. Um, called in Milan, it was called Electric Frankenstein. And uh, there is an album by a different Electric Frankenstein, but it's not a band. It's a recording project of all the people that hung out at that place. So I found out about that later. But when you have a, there's three reasons. A guitar that's made out of two different parts, uh, like Fender and Gibson mixed together, is called an Electric Frankenstein. Then... Then I had the idea that um, I want to mix the past and make a new future so, uh, with music. So I took hard rock and punk rock, which is both from the 70s, 60s garage rock, 50s music, right? Which is part of garage rock now, like because of the cramps, mixed 50s and 60s music together. And um, a little bit heavy metal because everybody loved Motorhead. And then later, you know, as we got into more kinds of metal, or Venom, I mean, Venom was like punk metal, right? So all that, Black Sabbath, you know, all that kind of came together. And so that's all my influences for Electric Frankenstein. So the first song that I wrote is called the EF theme. It's on my first, my first single, my first record. And that is exactly what it is is a blend of black flag and uh the stooges and everything that was considered heavy but melodic so that's what we wanted to be we wanted to be really powerful and melodic so nowadays what i would call i mean the way we sound like now with the new band uh version of the band i mean it's still me my brother and um everybody else so we moved to north Carolina, but the drummer's from new york and uh We've known him for 15 years. And then the, the singer and the lead guitar player are from North Carolina. And they have the same influences as us. Garage bands, punk bands, rock bands. They have the exactly same influences as us. So we have the right people. I would call what we're doing extreme rock and roll. Like maximum rock and roll. Extreme rock and roll. Because it's, it's like rock and roll but souped up, you know? So, and it's always rock punk instead of punk. You know what I mean? It's rock as if it started today with punk rock that came before it. Yeah, it reminds me of maximum rock and roll, like the zine or the magazine catalog with all the old punk records in it. I think that's still running maximum rock and roll. Uh, well, the guy's dead that started it. He's from New Jersey originally. He liked our band, right? And he they gave us good reviews in the beginning after he was gone all the little commie kids hated us and i don't know why because they were like i guess too much too hard rock for those kind of punks the gutter punks gutter punk and us never got along and too rock for them and too uh too punk for <laughs> for the for a regular 70s person that doesn't listen to anything else but Led Zeppelin, you know, they're boring too. I mean, you know, people just stay in one spot are boring. So just because what they like is good doesn't mean they're not boring. So, um, you know, life is about everything, everything. I mean, you want to learn about everything. You want to hear about everything. You want to go from one thing to the other and experience everything. You only got a certain amount of time to live. So, I mean, geez, my library is, I must have 200,000 albums and I must have, um, I don't know how many thousands of books on every topic and every great literature. I mean, I have everything written by Kerouac and William Burroughs and Henry Miller. And then I have everything written by all these different scientists. And then I have every, all these books on Buddhism and Taoism and every book on healing and the Kabbalah. I have, you know, tons of, I've studied all these things in person with, with people. It's not just that I read the books. I actually studied in person. You know, I studied Kabbalah for 10 years in New York at the Kabbalah Center. I studied Buddhism and Taoism with people. So, you know, that's all part of uh, learning what life is, right? I mean, quantum physics, I study that as much as I study uh, the opposite right so 
yeah, that brings us back to the whole thing. It's like the influences are from all, all different things because there's a common bond between all of them. And so we want to be in that place where everything is stitched together. And so what's stitched together? Like Frankenstein, right? So Frankenstein is bigger than the sum of his parts. Why is he seven foot tall? After they stitch together all the different body parts, right? So he's bigger and stronger than the sum of his parts. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. You, you put everything together to, to grow from it, right? Not to hide from life, but to grow from life. Why did the, uh, I was just curious early on, why did the commie kids hated uh, your band? Because uh, they started saying that we were too um, hard rock, you know, that we were, might as well have been Guns N' Roses. I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? When we first started, right in the beginning, we would get letters from people saying, oh my God, this is the best thing I ever heard. It's, it's finally what's the next thing. I'm, I'm really excited that you're moving everybody forward into the next thing. And then I got a couple letters from people saying, I hate everything about your band. I hate everything you're doing. You're blending cock rock with punk rock and you're diluting punk rock and making it into cock rock. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I said, we don't have songs about that. Just because you take the musical elements doesn't mean I take the lyrical elements. You know, we don't walk around with no shirts on and have 1,500 groupies. I mean, although there were lots of groupies that were interested in us, that doesn't mean we acted like pigs. You know, I mean, uh, I grew up in the time when feminism was a big deal in the 60s. And that stuck with me always. I always treated women as a equal partner. Yeah, because why? You know, there were some rock stars who treated women like pigs, like Iggy Pop, like had sex with a 13-year-old. You know, like. If it's true, but uh, then back then, all these people were on drugs. You see, that's the whole difference. And plus, it's the time period before people thought about things like that. You know, I mean, he's got a big excuse that he was out of it most of the time. But people from today have no excuse. You know, people from the 90s and up, have no excuse. The feminism was there and he doesn't even need feminism. He's common sense, common respect. And then, okay, I grew up on comic books and superheroes. Well, superhero women were, and Vampirella too, were uh, really great, you know, Batgirl and everything. And so you wanted a woman that was cool, that was equal to you, you know? You didn't want some stupid, subservient, goofy girl, I mean, I never was friends with either, no matter how much they might've been interested in me, the cheerleader types or the stripper types that were, you know, uh, Motley Cruz fans. You know what I'm saying? Like they both have nothing to offer you intelligent wise, but the cool girls were the ones who were the artists and writers and musicians and stuff. And they were intelligent. They had lots to say and they were just as equal as anybody else. So those are the most fun people. And also educated girls are the best in bed. <laughs> girls that are not educated are just lay there and they kind of don't know anything. And girls that are really educated seem to have read about tantric sex and how to do stuff. And they're always way better. So, um, yeah, intelligence wins out always. You know, and see, that's why I was why George wanted me to be the editor of all these things that I say. That's why he wanted me to be the editor of Exit, because that was the whole thing about Exit, that intelligence wins in the end, you know. How do you feel about the uh, feminist movement today or where women are right now in uh, 2022? Well, here's the crazy thing. And this is what. It's become anti-men because they're fooled by the rich, right? Because look, the rich want us all fighting each other. And women say, well, men are holding us back from this and that. No, it's the same men that are holding other men back. The same 10, 15 men that are controlling everybody and everything, right? They're the ones holding women back. And they've held men back for a long time to the point where the suicide rate 
amongst men is the highest in the world in the United States, and especially men over 50, because after that, they don't need you no more. They dump you out of all these companies, no matter how good you are, or educated you are. They dump you to bring in younger people and pay them less. So all these younger people, yeah, let's push them out. Yeah, okay. Where do you go after that? How do you make, uh, you got to need, you need money. You have a, um, they laid off so many people in, in, in 2008 that were middle-class men and they most, and then they had the hugest suicide rate ever. Um, because why? You have a house that has a mortgage. You have kids in college. Now you have no job. Now what? And you got laid off early, right? Before you were expecting yourself to retire. So you, you had to live, now you have to live off your savings and that's disappearing. And then your kids can't go to college and then you're losing your house and then you wind up getting divorced and then these men kill themselves. So that's a big hush hush thing. So, right. So women are getting abused just like the man is, you know, just like the man is. And they're being told that it's all men. Well, it's not all men. It's the same fucking 10 men that have been doing it to everybody else. Right. That's the thing that these modern feminists don't understand, that there's lots of men that will work with them that would help promote them and bring it. Plus, I know real women that are really successful in life. They always said, fuck the feminists that from today they go, I didn't have anything hold me back. I, I just took what I wanted. I chose what I want and I took it and nothing stopped them ever, ever. You know, they wanted to be something. They did it and they knew how to get it done, just like anybody intelligent does. They didn't cry and say it was a big excuse. You know, they didn't cry and say it was a big excuse at all. They 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 did it. So well, you hear black people say the same thing. They say successful black men say I made the same choices these people did in school and I am what I am today. And then now it's not white people's fault. And it's not that I'm, I mean, there is institutionalized racism. Yes, indeed. I see it every day. But at the same time, if you're intelligent, you will break out of it, right? Or else there wouldn't be rich black people. And there's plenty, right? There's plenty. So, and successful businessmen, there's plenty, right? And what other black people hate them. Right. If you talk to a successful black man, they'll be like, oh, you don't know how many people hate on me. And they're like, and they're always black, too. And I'm like, ah, you know, well, you know, I mean, what happens if you're a successful white middle class man? <laughs> Same thing. So, yeah, it, it, it's becomes a complicated issue because they embroil things together that don't need to be embroiled. And instead of seeing the real culprit. You know, right? Of course, all these like molesting guys should be taken out of the picture because they were immoral and not even immoral. It's like uh, they're just disrespectful, right? I mean, I think, you know, a feminist man is respectful of women. And that's what matters is that they're respecting their intelligence and their abilities. Even if a woman wants to be a stripper, if that's what she wants to do, or being porno, well, that's a business. And you can run it like a business and make a lot of money, not spend it all on cocaine and die within three years, you know? Okay, like you've had an interesting life, you know? Like your, your teenage years sounds like you would have been kind of like Buddy Bradley or cool Forrest Gump. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I spent lots of time reading from the age of uh, nine to 15. And then after 15, I put it all together. I mean, I was reading immense amount of books uh, of way past what's supposed to be my age. All my friends were in high school. Like when I was a little kid, I only had friends in high school when I was like seven, eight, nine and ten. And, uh, you know, we used to read Marvel Comics and DC Comics together and National Lampoon and everything like that. So I was reading National Lampoon when I was ten. So, you know, that brain that opens your brain. Mad Magazine is the number one thing that opens a kid's mind to being a, a question authority and being rebellious against idiots, right? So 
And then it also makes you have good taste and things. All these kinds of things make you have good taste. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I was like way past the other kids. Because my own age are like uh, boring. So I was always friends with people way older when I was little. Then when I got older, I made friends with people who are younger because they're thirsting for that kind of stuff. You know, there's lots of girls in their 20s thirsting for all this knowledge. And they were reading about this stuff and barely and they wanted to know more about it. So I would take them to all the museums and art galleries and show them all these cool books to read. And they're, you know brains would be like wide open at that point they just expanded their intelligence immensely and so that's the important thing is to pass the baton you know and make make life worthwhile for people i mean uh, on facebook i've had to talk people out of committing suicide a bunch of times um people i don't even know and because they get caught up you know they get caught up in the woe is me thing and they don't see a way out. And that's what happens when you're not using your intelligence. You, you don't see a way out. And so you become either a blockhead like the Fox News kooks or you become, uh, you know, somebody that basically is committing slow suicide through. Uh, well, yeah, I wanted to ask, what do you think about Peter Bag and Hernandez bros? Because if you look on like my Facebook page, like I uploaded pictures of me of you know a couple of their books I got from the library. Oh well, they were well. The Hernandez brothers are different than Peter Bat, of course. Hernandez brothers were kids at first that loved their comic books, and then they were doing flyers first for the punk shows, and they looked like right out of the comic book pages, you know. And it was like you know monsters and superheroes, and then as they got older and they started dating women and getting involved in women and women's issues, then they did, did the love and rockets, but that's because they became enlightened from cool stuff, right? Cool stuff enlightens you. So that's would explain the Hernandez brothers thing. Peter bag was a person that would say well-read, but a giant complainer. <laughs> so he's a social critic that looks at everything and, and, but he, he made it into a business. He was intelligent. I mean, he, he, he did artwork and he explained himself right through the artwork, which is at the time in the nineties, using the late eighties, nineties, using the graphic novel as a comic book, right. As a different way. I mean, they took, Instead of superhero comics, they took the 60s underground comics, 60s and 70s, which is another big influence on my life. I, I was buying, the, it says no one under 18. I was buying all those underground comics from the head shops when I was 10 in 1970 by the stack. Mickey Rad and Freak, Freak Brothers and Robert Crumb and Zap. So, um, sure, that opens up a whole other world of art. So, Peter Baggy took from the social commentary that came with the underground comics. And then he built up on that. I wouldn't say he was influenced by superhero comics at all. But so they're both influenced by Hernandez brothers and them by two opposite things. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Like Peter Bag was influenced more by, by like I, I, by Robert Crumb and also 1940s cartoons. Yeah, I mean, all those guys, even those 60s and 70s guys, they were influenced by Art Nouveau, you know, 19 and, and everything that came. I mean, I, I wrote a whole book about it. I have a, a bunch of uh, art history books, a modern art history book. So I have one called uh, "Here, From Here to There and Back Again. And um, that's actually, that's from The Hobbit. <laughs> but uh I was making a joke because I did, I showed the whole history of post of modern art and how of the modern poster, right? Starting with Jules, what's his name? I forgot his last name. He was one of the first poster art artists. And then Alphonse Mucha, and then it goes on and on and on. And all those people were 
the earliest poster artist. And the poster artist was like the comic book artist. They didn't have comic books, but that's what a poster artist was. He was expressing all his artistic ideas and they were way out and different, those people. And they were really exciting. And posters were super exciting posters for art shows and posters for movies and posters for plays. And every great, great artist did posters first. So I did a book that showed every five years how it changed and each of the people that I picked, for examples, were people who influenced the artists from the 90s because the post art renaissance started in the 90s, right? So I showed from the 1890s to the 1990s that book was. So I showed the whole evolution from 1890s to 1990s, decade by decade by decade by decade by decade. Our album covers and post artists, I showed how they kept on evolving until it got to the 90s when there was a revival. Now, the big deal was that what I discovered by doing that was the photographer was chasing the illustrator. So every type of thing replaced the illustrator with a photographer for the art because it was cheaper. So posters for movies started being replaced by photographs. Um, illustrations and magazines and books started replacing by photographs. Everything, everything, album covers started being replaced by photographs. Comic books started replacing by, so everything started re being replaced that was done by an illustrator by a photographer. So it, each time the illustrator artist had to move on to something new and different. And then it came full circle. The illustrator started becoming the big poster artist. And then what happens in the digital age when the computer started? They started replacing the illustrator artists again and everybody started doing stupid, uh, you know, copy and paste photography for um, digital art. And then it happened again. And then that killed the whole re renaissance of uh, modern renaissance of the 1990s artists. So I did two more books, one on uh, after the 1990s, 2000, 2005. And I did 2005 to 2010. And then uh, that's it. Because after that, it lost its uh, like subculture. It became just whatever. I mean, all, the, all those artists wind up having to get married and have kids and become mainstream and get real jobs. And, you know, same bullshit as always. Same thing that happens to musicians. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look at Peter Beck. Like, you know. Well, now he's nothing. Doing no, nothing. He's, not, he's not as angry as he used to be. No, and he doesn't have to be. Let somebody else be. So where's the anger amongst the kids today? They have a whole, I mean, they, there is not a moment of their life that they did not know the handheld computer, which is your cell phone, right? It's more powerful than anything on Star Trek. Um, that they've not known a moment of their life that didn't have I mean, they don't even use regular computers. I still have a desktop computer because it's more powerful than a, a laptop or a cell phone. But no, so they do everything with that. And that's got the whole world is a mishmash. That's why they, it's like living in a thrift shop. They mix everything together, the younger people and ideas and things from time periods. And they have a collective consciousness now, which is really different. Like I see the young kids, I talk to them and they're like, all over the world, they're they're everywhere all at once because of TikTok, because of YouTube, because of um, Instagram. I don't think they tweet. Tweets for idiots. So um, it's oh, I hope Musk face Muskrat loses every penny he has now that he's gonna ruin tweet tweet or whatever it's called. <laughs> what a dumb invention! Um, it's just a graffiti wall for people who complain. So it accomplishes nothing. It lets Trump at three o'clock in the morning curse out people that have nothing to do with anything. So um, yeah, it's also useful for girls who want to trick guys into paying for their OnlyFans. Eh, I guess, but all you got to do is skim through uh, OnlyFans or something or Instagram and find it that way. You don't really need a. Uh, if eh, those kind of guys want to be tricked, you know. <laughs> So they True, want I mean, to be honest, I don't understand why anybody would pay for porn in 2022 when it's like everywhere. Yeah, but the addict 
is different, right? Uh, if you've been looking at porn since you're 10, by the time you're 15, your brain is rearranged into the pattern of a heroin addict. And that means you need more but different. And the more but different becomes more and more violent. Why does all this stupid porno have men choking women and spitting in their faces and doing all this stuff that's degrading and totally, the, totally that's not porn, that's just sickness. So, you know, yeah. because why? Because they need more weird, but like... different. They need more but different. They start looking at animals fucking dogs, fucking girls, and they start looking at all that kind of stuff. They start looking at all weird, and then it leads to child porn because they want to be, you know, whatever. And they want more, but different. Most of the people who got involved in child porn were started out with regular porn. See, there's a difference between looking at naked women because they're beautiful and being addicted to porn. It's totally two different things. You know, totally two different things. There's a difference between Playboy and uh, some unnamed magazine that you buy under the counter that has everything possible in it right you know you go to times square in new york and you look through the, the adult magazine stores and you would find cool magazines like national screw that interviews with every punk band from the 70s right william burroughs interviews everything cool and then you would find puke magazine and shit eating magazine and you're like what the fuck is this and you're like this is for people who can't be satisfied they can't enjoy a, a beautiful woman they have to need more but different right and the different gets warped and perverted and everything becomes crazy do you know in the old days i'm talking about 1900s early 1900s porn was they would ha have women they forced women they forced them okay they forced them as basically household slaves to read porn novels out loud to a group of men that would like fantasize about it. So this kind of thing has always been around. I mean, there's always been people addicted to porn. You know, I guess from the day cavemen started drawing ladies with big boobs and then, uh, and then somebody said, make me one. And then, you know, they killed somebody who tried there to try to touch their little um, uh, big boob lady statue, right? So, yeah, there's always the the, the ad, addict, and there's the, the person that enjoys life, and then they go, and the person that gets used by life. We're coming so. to an end to the podcast. We're getting very close. Okay. But if there's anything, Sal, you would like to share? What's your future projects, or what you're? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I want people to the things that I do is. Um, I'm doing a fistful. I'm doing a second series. The first series came out from 1998 to 2007, and that's um, that was a fistful of rock and roll where I show everybody in every volume um, all the best new bands that are in the style that Electric Frankenstein plays, and then there's thousands and thousands of them from all over the world, and there's great bands and the media now doesn't let people know what's happening in other countries, so. That's why I do that. And then I have from 2008 till now, I've been doing a fistful more of rock and roll. So I have the 13 volumes of the first one and there's um, uh, 20 so far of the new one. And I'm not done yet. I mean, uh, I had to take a break because of COVID, but uh, I'll be catching up. And then what else do I do? Well, I teach Tai Chi and Qigong and Shaolin. So... I do online lessons for people who are in other countries or other side of the country. I have people from California, from Germany, from everywhere take classes with me. And um, I don't know if I'm going to be writing more books. I think I'm going to do a fistful of rock and roll book with like a chapter on each country on the history of rock for that country. Uh, the Spain chapter is already written and the American one I wrote. So uh, uh, there's so much to do. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm doing Electric Frankenstein, so we have a lot of records, of course, but a lot of labels want us so because they sell our records. So I have a lot of new stuff coming out. And um, 
yeah, that's my life pretty much. Music and art. I want to open an art gallery that has the cool kind of art and then uh, postmodern kind of things, you know, and then an aquarium gallery that shows all the different, because that's art to me too. I mean, that's all art. How, how that's a whole nother kind of art that people take for granted. So I want to do things that open people's eyes. And that's the story. Even in the martial arts world, I'm real controversial because I've dug up so much historical stuff and proven all these legends wrong. And even the government of China was after me for a little while. And then they, they wound up getting everything that I was talking about was proven true and correct. And then now they're all my best friends because they make millions and millions of dollars a month now from tourists going to Shaolin. So you know, I have a whole bunch, a whole bunch of historical information out that contradicts the fake legends and that shows what the real story is. And the real story is more interesting. You know, what came from where? How did it get there? <laughs> right? The questions people need to ask that open up and make more questions. And that answers that question. <laughs> Sal, thank you for being on. You're welcome. Thanks it was fun. Oh, Payne, thank you. You're welcome. I probably talked for a week straight. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do another one. So this, right. this podcast was brought to you by youtube.com slash pilliter, as well as pilliter.substack.com and www.pilliter.com. <laughs>